The latest human rights data for Pacific countries is showing an erosion of social and personal freedoms, letting down an otherwise positive regional rights outlook. This is according to the 2022 data set from the Human Rights Measurement Initiative, a unique collaborative venture between human rights practitioners, researchers, academics and other human rights supporters. I'm joined by the initiative's strategy and communications lead, Talia Keho-Roden. Kia ora and welcome on Pacific Waves. First of all, tell us a little bit more about your methodology, what indicators you're looking at and how you're collating this data. Thank you so much for having having me. Um, we have two different methodologies that we use for two different groups of human rights because the, the rights are really different and so the way that we measure them needs to be. Um, and so for economic and social rights, that's things like the right to food and education and health and housing. Um, we use um, a methodology where we, we look at how, how good things are in all of those kinds of terms um, and we cross those results, um, which we take from international databases that other people are producing, you know, UNICEF and the World Health Organization and things. And we cross Cross that with a measure of GDP per capita, um, because the the international obligation for those things is that everyone needs to do, every country, every place needs to do the best they can with what they have, um, and and obviously there's going to be um, constraints because of income. Um, but it's also true that many countries, um, many governments will say that they are doing the best that they can with what they have. And our methodology um, finds out whether that's true. And so we can say for some countries that actually um, other countries at your level of income are doing significantly better at, in terms of the number of children in school or the number of people um, surviving to age 60 or those kinds of indicators. Um, and so uh, this is all, all about putting all countries on a level playing field um, and saying, are you doing um, the best that you can right now with your resources or is there room for improvement, even if, if you don't improve wealth? Um, and then for our second group of rights, for civil and political rights, and those might be the things that people think of first when, it, when they think of human rights, like freedom from arbitrary arrest and detention and execution and free speech, voting rights. For those kinds of things, there are no international databases for us to draw on. We have to do the research ourselves. Um, and so we start uh, by going to people in, in communities who know most what's going on. And so we ask um, local human rights experts in each country and territory, um, people who are like journalists or work for an NGO monitoring human rights or human rights lawyers, those kinds of people. And we have a, a secure online anonymous questionnaire that once a year they fill in describing what human rights are like in their place um, for the previous year. Uh, and so we've been rolling that out throughout the Pacific for the last three years. Um, and so we have um, you know, a good range of data for both of those groups of rights um, around the Pacific. And, and what's been the, I guess, I'm asking here for any correlations you're seeing in terms of the, the general human rights and, and well-being of people in the Pacific in the time that you've been covering this? Yeah, I think that the overall trend is that um, most Pacific countries and territories have very good human rights scores. Um, they, they show up at the top of the table when we look globally around the world. Um, and so that's, that's really good news, obviously. Um, if we look at our, our overall scores for safety from the state, that's things like freedom from arbitrary arrest, torture, execution, um, that the top performers in our sample around the world are mostly from the Pacific region. So Tuvalu, Cook Islands, Samoa, uh, Mahoinui, French Polynesia, they're all in the top five. Um, 
Um, and when we look at democratic rights, like free speech, um, freedom of assembly and association, voting rights, the top five performers in our global sample are all in the Pacific. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, the Pacific countries sometimes struggle um, in economic and social rights. Um, sometimes they are among the best performers in the world at those things. And sometimes there are um, some real, um, there's room for improvement. Now, um, just just looking into some specific countries now, I think some of, some of the better performers you mentioned there, um, mostly seemingly in, in Polynesia, uh, talk to us about some of the, the better performing countries and also how I think you mentioned that some are actually quite high in some regard, but lower in others. Yeah, that's right. So the very best performer in the region is certainly Tuvalu, which is near the top of the table for all eight civil and political rights we measure. Um, and that's quite striking. Now, it struggles a bit more on the right to education. Um, it has much lower primary and secondary school enrollment rates than we would expect for a place with its level of income. Um, Samoa has some pretty interesting data this year. So like Tuvalu, it's a high performer for safety from the state. But this year, we see some dramatic drops in its scores for all three impacts empowerment rights. Um, this is partly probably because of the pandemic. Um, later than some other countries around the world, Samoa faced some restrictions um, and, and also related to the political difficulties in the country last year. Um, so Samoa actually has the very lowest empowerment score in the Pacific this year for the first time and it's never been so low. Among the high performers, uh, one theme that I'd like to mention that comes through is that disabled people are missing out on their rights. So even in uh, Tuvalu, Cook Islands, uh, and Donga, for instance, our experts repeatedly said that disabled people were more likely to have their rights violated on a range of rights, uh, more likely to have their rights violated than other people. And, and on the other end of the scale, um, I think I saw, is it... Um... Papua New Guinea, Fiji, a few of the few of the problem areas, well, not problem areas, but a few a few of the places with quite a lot going on in in some parts. Yeah, that's right. When we're looking at the places with the lowest scores in the Pacific, uh, Fiji and Papua New Guinea stand out, unfortunately. Uh, they are at the bottom with somewhat for empowerment rights, for freedom of expression and assembly and participation in government and so on. Um, but Fiji and Papua New Guinea are also at the bottom of the table for safety from the state. Uh, so Papua New Guinea also has the lowest score in the region for quality of life. So that's economic and social rights, food, health, housing. Um, so it's clear that the Papua New Guinea government has a fairly long way to go to keep its human rights obligations and, and make sure all its people can be free and safe and thriving. There's a lot of missing data in, in, in the Pacific for a lot of things, and it's no exception here in, in human rights. Talk to us about how that affects your study and whether there are ways to improve that or is it just part of of the Pacific landscape? You know, that, that's a really good question and there are, there are two quite distinct things going on with our data gaps. So for economic and social rights, um, the way that we measure the rights depends on having a measure of GDP per capita. And so for anywhere in the Pacific that is currently actively colonised, if it's a realm state or it's part of France or administered 
by America, uh, then it probably doesn't have a GDP per capita measure. Um, so we simply can't produce our data. So the underlying data might be there on things like school enrollment or babies low birth weight. You know, those data may well be being collected and produced, but we can't use our methodology. Now we have actually done an extra study to try and fill those gaps. And so a couple of years ago, we, we looked at other ways that we could, um, we could use other kinds of income measures to produce the data. And, um, and we, we were pretty successful at that. So we, we did that a couple of years ago, and that study is available from us at the Human Rights Measurement Initiative or um, on the Motu Economic and Public Policy Research site. Um, and if anyone wanted us to, to redo that data for a current year, um, we, we would be able to do that, but we just lack funding. Um, for civil and political rights, um, until this year, we've actually had very good coverage in the Pacific. Um, and what we really struggled with this year was the effects of the pandemic, the economic effects of the pandemic. So um, when we're producing our civil and political rights, we're, we're going out into the Pacific, um, I mean, virtually these days, um, and asking uh, local experts to share their knowledge with us. And for the first two years that we did that um, throughout the Pacific, um, you know, people were very generous with their time and, and knowledge. Um, and a, a lot of those people have lost their jobs. Um, and so they were working with an NGO collecting data, they were monitoring human rights, and those human rights lost their funding um, because of the economic effects of the pandemic. Um, and so those experts simply don't exist anymore. Um, and so we had, we had real struggles. Um, there were several countries where we have usually been able to produce scores for civil and political rights. Um, and this year we weren't able to um, because we just didn't have enough people available to, um, to share their knowledge with us. Um, so, uh, you know, the effects of the pandemic are, are everywhere. Um, and, and we hope that, um, you know, we hope that our friends and colleagues around the Pacific, uh, that their situations will improve. Uh, and, and we will continue to work really hard um, to try and invest in our relationships with everybody so that we can improve our rates of response next year.